You're listening to the Impact Lenders Podcast, the podcast for people and institutions using lending for good. Welcome to the show. This is Peter Shaping of High Impact Financial Analysis, and welcome to the Impact Lenders Podcast. Today on the show, we have Beth Bafford of Calvert Impact Capital and Aisha Benson of True Fund Financial Services here. And they're going to talk to us about a new collaborative serving small businesses in the southern U.S., the SOAR Fund. So Beth and Aisha, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Great. So we're, I'm very interested to, to learn more about this fund and really encouraged by what, what I would say is a trend in the industry of, of more of these types of initiatives where CDFIs are coming together to work collaboratively to solve a problem at scale. So before we jump into that, uh, I do want to introduce both of you or give you the opportunities to introduce yourselves. Uh, so Aisha, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about yourself and True Fund. Sure. Uh, so Aisha Benson, I'm the Chief Operating Officer of True Fund Financial Services. We are CDFI headquartered in New York. Uh, we have offices in Alabama, Louisiana, and Texas. Our activities also extend to New Jersey and Georgia. Uh, when it comes to our new market tax credit platform, we're national, and we also have an impact developers fund where we place equity on the balance sheet of minority developers, and that's a national program as well. So we're really focused on getting capital and business advisory services to for-profit and nonprofit businesses that don't qualify for traditional financing. And this has really been my career. I started out um, as a credit analyst at Chemical Bank. For those that don't know Chemical Bank, it's uh, Chase, uh, five or six mergers ago. (laughs) And and so um, you really have dedicated my life to investing in distressed communities and supporting uh, businesses that are owned by people of color. Excellent. Yeah, and I know True Fund's grown a lot in the last 10 years or so. How long have you been operating in the South? So we've been in the South uh, essentially from uh, 2005 when we were certified as a um, CDFI. We, we've really been at this since 2001 uh, as a financing partner. Uh, providing loans, grants, and technical assistance to businesses in lower Manhattan after the World Trade Center attacks. Uh, But we um, quickly began to realize that access to capital was needed um, across the country, including in the South, and started uh, lending in Alabama in 2005. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, what an interesting history for the organization and and great to see kind of the, the growth that's happened and how you're starting to, to work with other institutions to keep it rolling. So Beth, how about you? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and Calvert. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Beth Bafford, uh, Vice President of Strategy and Syndications at Calvert Impact Capital uh, and President of the Aisha Benson Fan Club, uh, for sure. <laughs> Um, (laughs) My most important role. I've been at Calvert for over seven years now, and really uh, our organization is a nonprofit financial institution dedicated to connecting the capital markets to communities that are often left out of our financial system. Uh, And so we do that in a variety of ways across a variety of products and services uh, all across the U.S. and in about 100 countries internationally. Um, we manage uh, about $600 million today and have raised over $3 billion from investors in our history. Um, and my role with the organization is really to think about how we can uh, structure the right financial tools um, to activate more institutional capital um, into the markets that we're trying to serve. 
Um, so we have been lending to CDFIs like TrueFund for 30 years. Um, we know the amazing work that they do in their communities and the capital needs that they have. And uh, our objective is really to use our track record to show uh, a lot of others that this, you know, this is a, uh, a worthy cause to uh, put, put your dollars, both kind of grant dollars and financial investments uh, to really supporting the underbanked communities across the country. Yeah, and Calvert's such a critical part of the the impact finance industry, not only as a direct investor, but also as kind of a builder of the infrastructure. And that's that's a lot of what we'll talk about here today as well. Um, so I want to hear a little bit about how SOAR came together and why. And at its, at its very highest level, SOAR is an effort to increase access to capital in the South among a, a coalition of CDFIs uh, with Calvert as kind of an organizing party. And we'll get more deeply into the mechanics and what exactly that means. But to start with, I'd like to just kind of set the stage for the problem. Why is this specifically an area and specifically a sector, small business, that needs this additional kind of capital effort? So Aisha, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? We're really in four uh, Southern states. And we know the challenges that are faced by small businesses there. Uh, and it's really a result of really longstanding structural discrimination. Uh, there's persistent poverty, um, just uh, you know, a, a history of inequities uh, that's only been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and I like to sum it up by saying that the South is capital starved. Uh, you know, when we look at, you know, all product lines, we, we talk about bank financing, we talk about philanthropy, venture capital, even CDFI fund financing, um, there's just a disproportionate amount um, going to other regions and the, the South is really suffering. Um, you know, we, the banks that are in the South have lower assets than, than banks in the North. And so that means less of a flow of capital, right? That's available. Um, uh, Beth talked about it so well in her, her op-ed about, you know, 56, uh, cents, uh, 56 cents on the dollar of philanthropy going to the South. Uh, venture capital, when we look at Georgia, you know, you know, $63 per person is going out uh, in venture capital compared to almost $1,900 going to Massachusetts. And Georgia receives the most venture capital of all states. Um, and so, you know, when we when we start to look at this, um, you know, we have to say, you know, how do we how do we correct this? Uh, how do we make sure that we can get capital uh, to the small businesses? There is just a tremendous amount of creativity in the South, new business ventures. Um, the highest concentrations of Black and Latinos are, are in the South. And so we want to be able to support those businesses, including um, and, and especially, I'm going to say, rural you know, businesses which have had a really, really hard time um, in this recovery phase. Um, and so we really have to get dollars and investment um, into these businesses to give them a shot uh, to change uh, um, the the trajectory and and to overcome the barriers that uh, have been um, just systemically built in um, over the years. Yeah, and I'm interested for a, an organization like True Fund that works both in Manhattan and, and Greater New York City as well as uh, the, the Southern states. How do you see the capital needs being different between the two? 
we see a, a, a need for uh, more business advisory. I'm gonna say that first. Um, I know you're asking about capital, but we have to start about the preparation for the capital, right? The businesses have to be ready to receive that capital. And so just that, um, that level of sophistication that's needed to uh, put together um, uh, an application package to have all of the, um, the, the paperwork, the financial management um, um, that's necessary to, um, to qualify for a loan. We wanna provide that assistance, really building the capacity of those businesses. And so what we tend to see is that there's a longer pipeline. We work with these businesses over a longer period of time or that they access smaller amounts of capital initially. The good news is that because we're in there for the long haul, we're really about relationship. We tend to make multiple loans to these businesses and we're able to really see them grow, but it requires some flexibility. It requires a willingness and a desire to work with the business comprehensively um, to make sure that they get the capital that they need to grow. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier Beth's op-ed. So Beth, you had an op-ed in Impact Alpha recently, which we can link in the show notes. Um, that kind of draws the parallel between the lack of, of capital access to voter suppression, like through the recent Georgia uh, laws. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Beth? Yeah, I think it's it's really, what I say, kind of um, uh, same disease, different symptoms. Um, so I think, the, you know, just as Aisha mentioned, uh, there are real structural uh, barriers to entrepreneurship in the South. Uh, particularly entrepreneurship by people of color. And what does that mean? That means that, you know, people are struggling to have access to the resources and tools they need uh, to build their own wealth, to build their own uh, path to, uh, to get financial freedom uh, and wealth, as we know, is power. And so I think that, you know, this, this, um, these structural issues exist across all of these systems. Um, and when I kept reading about this, uh, you know, the, the, all the laws that were being passed and at the same time doing research about um, uh, the kind of these structural challenges, all, all, the, all the dollar amounts that Aisha just quoted, um, you know, just, just struck me as you know, the, this, this same issue, but uh, manifesting in different systems um, in different ways. Yeah, and it just speaks to the urgency of the need too that we we still have new laws coming on the books that are oppressive, even though here we are, twenty twenty one. So it, it speaks to the need to really find new solutions to these problems to push things forward. So, so one of those solutions is the SOAR fund. Um, so, Beth, can you tell us a little bit about how the SOAR fund uh, was started and what it's doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So. The SOAR Fund was really um, built out of a lot of conversations with the community lenders in the region. So uh, we had the, the kind of great pre uh, privilege and pleasure of working with True Fund and a handful of other CDFIs uh, to set up a similar program in New York. Um, and we had tested that model and really found that it was helpful in supporting the CDFIs um, lean into this crisis, lean into this moment, uh, and increase access to credit in a time when, when many others were pulling back. Uh, and so we wanted to bring that model into, uh, as Aisha mentioned, an area of the country that often lacks resources, lacks 
uh, access to, to capital and other support. Um, but we wanted to do it in a way that was re reflective of the, the work of a lot of the CDFIs in the region. Um, True fund lends across many states, uh, lift fund lends across many states. Uh, you know, we have Communities Unlimited and NCIF and all of these incredible uh, CDFIs in the region that really, uh, if we had set up state-based programs, it would be wildly inefficient for them to participate. Yeah, And so we really wanted to bring together a regional uh, a program that allowed all of them to lend in response to demand and not lend just, just to where kind of capital was tied. Um, the other thing that that helped us do was really attract uh, new sources of capital interested in supporting the region. And so what is, what is SOAR? Uh, I think of it as kind of a three-legged stool uh, of, a, of a program. Um, one is a uh, off-balance sheet capital solution for CDFIs to lend. So it is a loan purchase facility uh, that buys 95% of every loan originated by one of the participating CDFIs so that they can get 20x leverage off every dollar available for lending on their balance sheet. Um, two, it's a technology solution that allows a very streamlined and friendly customer experience for small business owners. Um, so we leverage the Connect to Capital platform that's built by Community Reinvestment Fund. Uh, that allows small businesses to go to one place, fill out 15 easy questions, uh, and get matched with their local community lender. So it, it makes the customer experience really smooth. They don't have to go through a million websites trying to figure out where to apply. We know uh, over the last year, small businesses have gotten uh, you know, headache after headache trying to figure out where there are resources and how to get matched with them. And then three is really trying to build and develop and support the technical assistance ecosystem in the region. Uh, and that is both supporting the CDFIs and expanding their own technical assistance, as well as trying to create more connective tissue between business support organizations across the region who can help uh, business owners understand uh, what programs are available, what they can access, how to get ready to apply for a loan, and then if needed, um, kind of post-loan support as they continue to manage their business. Um, and so all those three things together uh, kind of cr create this overall program. Um, and we're really excited to have it in the market now. We launched at the end of April and are excited to, uh, to get uh, access to flexible and affordable credit out to businesses across the region. Yeah. Great. And I love hearing Connected Capital's involvement because they were on the show last year. Patrick Davis from CRF joined us. And, uh, you know, I love the idea of CDFIs and watching CDFIs continue to upgrade their tech game to kind of compete with the online lenders and, and serve customers more efficiently. So I'm glad that's a tool that was able to be deployed here. So Aisha, as an established lender, what, what about this is attractive to TrueFund? You know, why not do something like this yourself? Well, let me first say that TrueFund is uh, tremendously appreciative um, to Calvert and the coalition of corporate and philanthropic um, partners that have come together uh, and financial institutions, of course, can't leave them out, uh, uh, that have come together uh, to make SOAR possible and really starting with New York Forward. Uh, Beth talked about the um, the ability to sell 95% um, of the loan uh, to the spe special purpose vehicle. That's huge uh, for CDFI. Uh, TrueFund's done $16 million in New York Forward loans uh, in just uh, under a year 
um, participating, um, um, you know, as, as a result of this collaborative. And we would not have been able to do that because we would not have had the capital to put put to use there. So, um, so it's really amazing um, to be able to have that opportunity. I think also we talk about streamlining. It is so important for uh, businesses to be able to navigate this very complex field of lending. Many of them have never heard of a CDFI. They don't know where to go. Uh, and so to be able to go directly to connect to capital and to uh, choose a lender based on the parameters that I fit here, I fit here. Uh, and to know that they're going to be able to get the assistance that they need and, and not get the runaround uh, is just tremendously valuable. So, um, it, the, so again, for the liquidity purposes, being able to reach as many businesses as, par, as um, possible, uh, being able to participate in this, this public-private partnership with this coalition, working with uh, other great lenders, our colleagues in the field. Uh, we collaborate on a regular basis anyway, and to be able to do that in a very formalized, structured way with this product um, has been helpful. It's opened us up to new partners um, because even though there's a uh, connect to capital, we still have to get the word out. And so we've been able to work with a host of other uh, community-based organizations and, and small business serving organizations uh, across the South uh, to make sure that we can get, uh, reach as many businesses as possible. Yeah. So it's a good opportunity both to access different types of capital, different sources of liquidity, and that you see the benefit of being in this collaborative where you can kind of share experiences and, and find new leads as well. Absolutely. Okay. And Beth, would you say in most cases for the lenders that are part of this, is this the first time they've had access to the liquidity by selling loans other than SBA loans? Is that, um, has that been kind of new for some of these lenders? Yeah, I would say obviously SBA lenders uh, do that quite a bit with uh, you know 7A 504 um, and community advantage loans. Um, but in terms of just term loans that were otherwise held on their balance sheet, there are not a lot of CDFIs that that uh, originate and sell. There are a few. Um, so I know Axion Opportunity Fund uh, has has a practice of selling some of their loans that are particular asset types. But um, but there this is certainly not common practice. Um, and we have had a lot of um, really great conversations with the CDFIs around how to think about this model differently, um, because it is it is a it's not only a different kind of structural model, it's a different financial model for the CDFIs. Uh, it's a different mindset on volume. There's challenges and changes in operations and servicing. You know, this this comes. You know, this is meant to support uh, massive increases in volume, like Aisha mentioned, and that does not come without its uh, without its challenges and pain points. Um, but we've just been incredibly amazed by the uh, the motivation, the grit, the uh, the uh, adaptiveness of the CDFIs to make that work in service of their small business clients. Um, and so I think we've seen great strides in, in, in those changes um, and are still, you know, working through a lot of that to make sure that we can get to a bigger scale. Yep. Great. So we're going to take a short break and we will be right back with Beth and Aisha to keep talking about the SOAR fund. During this challenging time, CDFIs want to do all they can to support their borrowers. The first step in taking action responsibly 
is having a comprehensive understanding of your own organization. How long can you forgo principal and interest collection before cash starts getting tight? How will your portfolio performance impact future lending capacity? How can you communicate your performance and risks to your staff, board, and investors? For over five years, CDFIs have turned to high impact to answer these questions. Our sophisticated cash flow modeling, portfolio analytics, and asset liability matching products back your decisions with analytics and help you communicate complicated concepts. Email us today at analysis at highimpactanalysis.com to find out how we can support you. We are back with Beth and Aisha talking about the SOAR fund. Uh, and I'd like to get to know our guests a little bit more. So Beth, uh, a question I'd like to ask is, who's a person or an institution in the field that you particularly admire? Yeah, absolutely. There are so many, so it's hard to pick just one. Uh, I have been just incredibly inspired by the work of uh, our CDFI partners throughout this, uh, throughout the, the last year, uh, and just the, the dedication to solutions uh, that we've seen. Uh, and then really have been uh, thrilled to work really closely with the teams at Community Reinvestment Fund or CRF and LISC uh, on these collaborations. Um, they, uh, and I should say Kiva as well in, in California, they, they've all been really important partners. Um, and CRF, I think we'll talk about this a, a bit, but CRF has really thought deeply about how to create the technical uh, solutions or scale in the field. Yeah. And Patrick Davis, who you mentioned, uh, it was on the podcast previously. He's also a Calvert alum uh, and a good friend. And um, his vision on uh, what the field needs to do to think more expansively without losing the integrity of the work um, has really been inspiring to see in action. So I would give a shout out to Patrick. Yeah, CRF and Patrick both are have really been visionary pieces of the of the industry, and you mentioned Lisk too. I'm not sure we mentioned Lisk earlier, so they're serving as fund fund manager here, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and they're critical. Um, and their team, led by George Ashton, uh, he has built their kind of off balance sheet fund management team, and brought on Anne Geggy, um, who has been really spearheading the the development of SOAR and New York Forward. Um, and they have been just incredible partners in uh, leveraging the uh, the kind of the reach of the LISC institution, uh, the kind of the depth of their fund management practices to really kind of uh, help um, be the glue that holds a lot of this together. Yeah, I was sad to see Ann Lee Finance Fund because that's in my hometown of Columbus and Ohio needs a really strong CDFI. They're still a very strong CDFI without Ann, of course, but she's doing great work at, at LISC. So, um, and Aisha, so... Uh, Beth talked a little bit about the, the CDFI partners. So tell us a little bit about uh, one of your favorite projects that you as a CDFI practitioner have been involved in. So there are so many. Because we're talking about the South, I'm gonna talk about one of the businesses that, that we funded over the last couple of years. I talked about the importance of building a relationship. And we did this with a company called SARCOR. Uh, it's a civil engineering firm uh, black female led 
uh, a civil engineer with 23 years of experience, a really dynamic uh, woman who uh, has established a great reputation uh, and has great influence in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, she's been on the business council and has had several appointments, um, including most recently being a small business advocate for the World Games uh, that's going to be happening um, in Alabama. Um, we started off by pro providing one loan uh, to help her manage cash flow. Uh, around contracts. She does a lot with Alabama Department of Transportation, uh, with the city. And uh, as many um, of you that know anything about contract financing, you know that uh, payments from government are slow. <laughs> uh, so um, we, we started out by just supporting some cash flow and then some capacity building, uh, really helping her um, over the years to be able to manage her projects and her employees. And we've just seen tremendous growth for her company um, as she has taken on more projects across the state of Alabama, now into Georgia and into other states. And um, we, we've even used her as a facilitator in some of our um, technical assistance training programs. Um, she's someone who's very committed uh, to working on her business, uh, not just in her business. Uh, she participated in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program and, you know, looks to do whatever she can to build her acumen. Um, so this is, this is um, a, a really, uh, I, I, if I could have every young entrepreneur speak to Selena, uh, the owner, um, I would do that because yeah. uh, she would inspire them and give them the recipe for success. Yeah. And what a great example of catalytic capital where, you know, the growth of that company would be really constricted if they had to wait 90 days for payment all the time. They could go maybe to a for-profit, you know, receivables factoring company and pay outrageous rates, or they can go to TrueFund and get a very reasonably priced loan to help them continue growing. Right. And 90 days is generous in some cases, yeah. even longer. Than <laughs> if they're that. lucky, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, geez. Right. Well, great. So, so that's a company that might kind of fit into the, the SOAR fund. Um, so tell us a little bit about where the SOAR fund is now and what lessons have been learned so far. I know we're still in, in the early days. So, uh, well, I'll say from from TrueFund's perspective, we're really starting to see some some great activity here. We have well over 160 uh, applications. We've seen several approvals. Uh, I think that um, the rush of PPP, uh, you know, is you know once that um, you know kind of dies down uh, at the end of this month, we're going to see some more activity pick up. Um, but certainly in comparison to New York Forward, uh, it's not moving as quickly, but we are seeing the businesses that we're missioned to serve. And um, we are really excited uh, to be able to bring this product uh, to the market. And Beth, from Calvert's perspective, how do you see the rollout so far and, and lessons learned in the process? Yeah, absolutely. So the interesting thing about this is, uh, in comparison with other programs, is that it has been more of a grassroots effort to get the word out. Uh, and so that brings its challenges in making sure that we are generating interest and, and education around what this is, what, you know, what is available. Um, but what we've seen is that the actual the applicants that are coming in are, you know, exactly the communities and the business owners that we're trying to serve. Um, so just some some kind of round numbers. I think we've seen uh, you know over fourteen hundred applications so far through the platform. Of those, uh, seventy nine percent are businesses owned by women and people of color. 
um, that number in New York is 57%. Um, and then, uh, you know, we have a small sample size at this point, but of the loans funded, 75% have been to uh, businesses owned by women and people of color. Um, we've also seen an, uh, a higher share of businesses that are located in low and moderate income communities across the South. Um, and so I think it's, you know, because we are really getting the word out and spreading uh, kind of and, and, and educating the, the local uh, community partners uh, about the program so that they can talk to business about it. And it's not, you know, announced by Governor Cuomo on CNN. Um, we're actually, you know, it's fewer, fewer overall applicants, but it's uh, really high quality in who we're seeing. Um, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to continue to follow that. We're obviously continue, uh, trying to really pound the pavement and get the word out uh, through both kind of top-down and, and bottom-up communications efforts. Um, but, you know, I, I think each of the, the CDFIs so far have been really impressed by the quality of applicants and uh, excited to see those who are coming yeah. into the portal. That's great. And where do you see the, the program going from here? Uh, so you just launched, I think, in April, right? Yeah. So how long, how long does the fund plan to run? Um, and, and what are kind of the, the, the numeric goals or other goals that you're setting for yourselves? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's an initial 12 month uh, kind of availability period. So the CDFIs can sell loans to the fund for 12 months. Um, uh, but we're really looking at ways that we, we can continue to scale and, and have this program in the market. Uh, and we're, we're uh, thinking about whether there's ways that we can leverage the state small business credit initiative program that was passed in the American Rescue Plan uh, to provide additional subsidy through the states uh, to run this type of program. Um, you know, we saw that credit access and small business lending um, never got back to pre-recession levels after the Great Recession. Um, so 10, 15 years post-recession, there was still uh, a decline in small business lending. We've seen dramatic uh, drops in the share of community banks uh, lending that goes to loans that are under $100,000. And so, you know, this credit gap is deep and will be pervasive for a long time. So we're trying to show that this model can work now, um, but the, the hope is, is that it will it will continue going forward to support the economic recovery that we know will be, you know, five, eight, 10 years from now. Yeah. Aisha, do you have other thoughts on where this is going or, or how you'll work with these coalition partners in the future? Yeah, I think uh, Beth hit it spot on. Uh, we know from surveying our clients that at least 70% of them are saying that they need follow-on capital. PPP was just not enough. Uh, and so uh, to be able to have SOAR in the South, near Ford in the North, uh, really helps to um, uh, you know, fill some of these capital gaps but the recovery is going to be long. Uh, and so we have to continue to be innovative. Uh, we have to continue to, to partner together. Uh, you know, we were working with a, a CDFI uh, to figure out how we could do a participation loan um, because the need for that particular business is larger than what uh, either one of us have as our credit limits. And so it really uh, takes um, partnerships like that and, and really thinking outside of the box. Uh, but I, I again, I, I can't stress the importance of uh, Beth's op-ed, uh, other, you know, um, you know, uh, research uh, that's coming out uh, to support these vast inequities. Uh, because when you really understand the problem, how uneven recovery was with the Great Recession and how we can project that there would be a similar fate 
uh, lest we intervene now uh, and, and really, um, you know, get capital and other resources because it, it capital is, is key, right? You know, cash is king, we learn, but other resources are needed as well. Um, I think then we'll start to see uh, really equitable uh, recovery uh, and growth uh, in our Southern region. Yeah. And that's a real call to action to say after the Great Recession, it took, you know, it's been how many years and it still hasn't recovered. Small business lending still hasn't recovered to pre-recession levels. I mean, CDFIs really need to be thinking, and I know many, many, many of them are, about not just the emergency relief now, but what does it look like one year from now, two years, five years from now, to get to a place where businesses have the access to capital they need equitably to, to grow? Yeah, and I think on that point, I mean, I think the the we the, we need to think more broadly about the role that CDFIs play in the in our banking system overall and the scale of uh, of the role they can and should be playing going forward. You know, part of the reason why small business lending is not recovered is because the whole banking system has consolidated, bank branches have gone away, and uh, and you know everybody has moved up market. And so, you know, th there is there are real structural gaps here that CDFIs are so well positioned to fill, um, but really need the broad support to do so. Uh, and I think we've seen uh, the recognition, or at least the initial recognition, from the federal government um, in terms of the importance of their role. Uh, the the you know, 12 billion that was in the December stimulus plan, the small business, uh, state small business credit initiative work, um, the, the carve outs for PPP lending. I think there's a recognition of the importance um, and we just need to see that sustained if we are going to actually uh, see a kind of paradigm shift in, in scale of what CDFIs can, can do. I can't stress that point enough. Um, you know, I've shared that uh, True Fund has had uh, 1,400 new clients uh, that we've onboarded onto our platform as a result of our um, PPP lending uh, and other uh, COVID response uh, lending that we've done. Uh, and so the capacities of CDFIs has to be built, just like we're looking to build the capacity of our, of our clients. CDFIs have to have the proper um, resources um, infused uh, into our, um, our, our businesses so that we can meet the needs of our clients, that the, there's strong demand uh, in our communities. These are businesses that um, have just, uh, they're, they're not prepared. Uh, they, um, they have very little capital in the bank. Uh, they've not had an opportunity to really work with a lender in the past. And so um, we need to spend hours uh, with these businesses um, to get them to the point where, again, as I mentioned earlier, that they're able to access capital. And so um, if we want to see change, it's, it's not enough to say, oh, CDFIs can do it. CDFIs need to receive the funding uh, and the support in order to be able to deliver on our mission. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for doing the hard work of attacking a, a problem of this scale and, and getting down to the technical assistance, the, the lending and the day-to-day -day management that makes this all work. So I, I really appreciate your time today and for sharing some about the SOAR fund. And we'll look forward to seeing the, the progress of the fund over the next year and where you go from there. Yes, thank you, Peter. Thank you so much for having us. This podcast is brought to you by High Impact Financial Analysis. We help mission-focused lenders build and maintain high-performing impact portfolios through our underwriting, portfolio analysis, and general consulting services. Find out more at www.highimpactanalysis.com and follow us on Twitter at High Impact FA. 
The views and opinions expressed on the Impact Lenders podcast are the speaker's own and do not necessarily represent the views of High Impact or other organizations. Until next time, thanks for listening.